Welcome. You are listening to The Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm your host, Meryl Arnett, and my passion is making meditation accessible and enjoyable. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a guided meditation. If you would like to access these meditation practices as standalone audio files for your daily practice, please subscribe to my newsletter at merylarnett.com. It's free and you'll receive a new mini meditation each week, along with behind the scenes content and bonus material for each podcast episode. All right, let's grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and settle in for today's practice. Well, welcome officially (laughs) to Monday Night Meditation. I'm glad to be with you. And I cannot believe that here we are at the end of this first series, like this ethical teaching series. It's been, for me at least, it's been amazing. I have loved teaching it. I'm a little bit sad to be reaching the end. And I hope that it is going to provide a lot of fodder for your curiosity and your exploration moving forward. So we have talked about violence. We have talked about truthfulness. We have talked about non-stealing. We have talked about non-excess. And tonight, the fifth and final ethical teaching is non-possessiveness. Often this is also referred to as non-attachment, non-greed, non-clinging, like we're not, we're, it's not holding all the things. And I want to start by reading, so I um, have referenced two books during this series for my own teaching reference. The first I've mentioned several times, which is The Yamas and the Niyamas by Deborah Adele. And the second is um, one of the Yoga Sutra, technically it's the, the second chapter, but it's its own book, right? Written by Pandit Rajmani Tignuat, which is the Himalayan tradition leader at this time, I believe. Um, And I love his interpretation of the Yoga Sutras. And this is what he wrote when talking about non-possessiveness. Behind violence, dishonesty, stealing, and indulgent lies one clear objective. Gaining greater control over the objects of our desire and eliminating those with the potential to stand in our way. This phenomenon can be described in one word, possessiveness. We want to have enough to fulfill our desires, and our desire knows no limit. Right? We want enough to fulfill our desire, and our desire knows no limit. I I don't think there is any greater way to sum up this tenant of non-possessiveness. It is an exploration of our desires. And most often desires can be lumped into one of three categories, one of them pertaining to family, children, relationships, one of them relating to material wealth, and one of them relating to power and fame. 
And at least so the teachings go, as we dig into these desires that we have, we will see that they land in one of these three buckets. And the interesting thing about it is we see that, you know, so sometimes we're so fortunate, so fortunate, and things happen the way we want them to happen, right? We have these moments where life maybe feels perfect. You have the relationship you want. You have the bank account that you need. You have the recognition that you desire. Things feel so good. And when that's the case, you know, we like clamp down with every muscle that we have and we say, don't you dare change. Don't you dare grow up and get an opinion. Don't you dare spend the money in that savings account. Don't stop loving me, right? And so immediately I am unable to enjoy this perfect moment in my life because I'm so worried about the moment it's going to change. And conversely, as we know, because life is never perfect, there are the moments that we can't get what we want. We cannot fulfill the desire no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we study, and no matter who we think we know. And we are distraught or ashamed, embarrassed, depressed, sad, unable to see what we do have. And in both of those instances, we are completely consumed, possessed by our desires. Right? The thing that we want has like grabbed hold of us and is holding us hostage. Even if we have it, it's holding us hostage. Ultimately, I think that it really comes down to our, like, we want to control the uncontrollable, right? We desperately want control in a life that at the end of the day, we cannot control. We don't get to pick when we die or how we die or if we die, it is going to happen. And we're not going to know. And because that is hanging out there, likely not thought about or discussed or direct or addressed, well, maybe if I just control everything else, that won't happen. Or I won't have to think about it. Right? This is the messy, murky water of non-possessiveness. And the interesting thing is, if you think about it, like we don't get the thing, we can't fulfill the desire or we can't get enough of it. And what happens? Well, if we don't keep it in check, if we're not paying attention, violence, dishonesty, right? All of these ethical teachings, stealing, excess, we start to violate all the tenets we've just learned about because we haven't paid attention to what we desire most. And luckily for us, meditation is the perfect place to do that. You know, I'll, one of the things I think about when I think about desire is planning as a form of control. And I was having this memory. I think I was, I can't remember if I was listening to a podcast of like Brene Brown doing a podcast or if it was an interview with her 
but y'all know we're like soon to be best friends. I just have to meet her and me and Brene are like going to be best friends. So I'm listening to this interview with her and she's telling this story about a moment in time where somehow she forgets a flight. Like she's supposed to be on a flight and she forgets and she gets the ping and realizes she's missed the flight and panic ensues. And she grabs a suitcase and her husband is racing her to the airport. And she, you know, self-reportedly is a mess. And she says, honey, oh my God, like I didn't pack the kids' lunches. I didn't go to the grocery store and get the stuff for dinner. I didn't lay out their clothes. I'm so sorry. What will you do? Oh my God. And he's like, hun, I love you, but we don't eat those dinners. We order pizza and the kids pick out their own clothes. Like we don't do any of that stuff that you spend all that time doing. That's not a thing we pay attention to. We don't need it. And and I'm hearing this going like, oh my God, Brene and I are twins because I totally do that. 110%. And it was so interesting to have that reflected back to you. And when you see it in somebody else, you're like, well, that's psycho levels of control right there. And then horrifyingly, you're like, oh, I do that too. Great. Okay. What am I trying to control? in this moment. And I will tell, I mean, that was years ago that I heard that story and had that little light bulb moment of like, look at me trying to like make this moment be exactly what I want it to be. And I'm not kidding. I'm not making it up. Hand to heart. Monday mornings, I teach a a. 6am private session. So I get up at 4.45 in the morning, which is literally enough time for me to put clothes on, brush my teeth and get one cup of coffee in my body before I leave the house. And every Monday morning without fail, I have a one second pause where I go, should I pack the kids' lunches? It's five o'clock in the morning. Everybody else gets to sleep for like two more hours. Why, Why would I pack the lunches? But you can like that urge to hold on to the moment to say, well, I know I put a vegetable and fruit in that lunchbox, right? Is so strong. It's so strong. And the work, our work in this tenant of non-possessiveness is to let go. It's to let go because you know what? They were actually, I did find out there was a fruit in the lunch today. Amazing. And they came home happy. Nobody was starving. No school called me and said there wasn't a lunch. Like it was fine. And had the school called, I mean, probably I would have had a gigantic eye roll, but also I would have brought a lunch to school. It would be fine. And so our practice is, can I see where I'm holding on so tight? And can I just let go a little bit? Can I just let go a little bit? And you might remember, because y'all have meditated with me so long, I often talk about what do I do when I meditate? What's happening in my brain? Y'all, I am planning. I am writing a grocery list. I'm planning a class. I'm planning whatever, right? And can you see 
I plan all the time in my meditation. And I just told you a story about my psycho level of planning control, right? Do you see how it's just there? It's like, there it is. Thank you for letting me see that. And now my work is to go, oh, I see it. Can I just start to let go a little bit? And it might start in the practice. It might start in the meditation. Every time I notice myself writing that grocery list, just to silently be like, you don't have to do that right now. And come back to the breath, which feels inconsequential. But I'm confident that's the reason I didn't pack lunches at five o'clock this morning. Truly, I am. Because I have that muscle memory of like, you don't have to do that. And instead, when I'm not obsessed with like, I have to get this done and I have to get this done. You know what happened? I left my house on time so I didn't have to rush. And I drive like our house is kind of on halfway up a hill. So I drive up to the top of the hill. The moon was unbelievable at 5.30 this morning. Like, oh, I think it's full tonight. So I think it was almost full. It was like three feet off the ground. It felt like I could touch it. It was so close. And I got to have this moment. I literally stopped in the middle of the road. And I was like, oh my God, the moon is beautiful. And I would not have had that if I had stayed home and packed lunches because I would have been running late and I would have been racing up the hill. And that's like, I can think of no better example than why we practice non-possessiveness. It's because when we're possessed by our desires, we can't appreciate anything. We can't see other options. We can't make new choices. We can't grow. We can't really experience joy because we're so consumed with something either staying the same or it has to be different. And when that's the case, how can we possibly see the moon in the sky in this moment? Right? How can we possibly hear? I'll, I'll tell you another story. This weekend, my son went to a birthday party. And when I picked him up, you know, I'm like, hey, bud, how was your birthday party? And he said, oh, it was really good. He said, but we got goodie bags. And I lost mine. I don't know where I put it. You know, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he goes, it's okay. He said, you know, the really great part of the birthday party was I got to spend all this time with my friend. We had like such a blast. It was like the sweetest, most beautiful, insightful thing. And the difference is, I think is if you're not conscious of it, like you could say that as a pat answer. Oh, I'm sorry you missed your goodie bag. At least you spend time with your friend, right? But when he said it, he really meant it. He really was able to see like the goodie bag is not the purpose of the party. My friend was the purpose of the party. And I think this is where we're going with this tenant is like the stuff the desire, the bank account, the vacation or whatever it is, that's not the thing. That We don't care about the goodie bag. You're going to misplace it at some point. But the people, the relationship, the thing happening in the moment, like that's the point. That's the life. And, you know, I'll jump back. I'm going to 
sum it up since I didn't record this part pre-recording. We were <laughs> we were having an amazing conversation about Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. And like we were talking about sort of the beauty in seeing ourselves age as we saw the aging of Tom Cruise from 20-something Tom Cruise to however old he is now. And like that's it's the life in between, right? It's not the two photos. It's not the two like, well, this is how I looked when I was 20. And this is how I look when I'm, you know, 40, 50, 60 something, right? That's not it. But it's all those moments in between. That's lovely. This is non-possessiveness. So I'm going to say one last thing, and then we're going to practice. The thing that we do in our practice is we uncover our desires and we cultivate the opposite thought, right? So that practice of gratitude that is so cliche and thrown about all the time is truthfully the antidote to non-possessiveness, right? It's seeing what we have in the moment and, and, being glad that we have it, celebrating it. And when we're able to achieve that, when we're able to be glad in the moment and feel, you know, heartfully rich in the moment, we are able to be nonviolent, to be truthful, to avoid stealing, to avoid excess. And so you see how we're just like sort of doing this little circle, right? We're doing this circle. We learned all of these tenets. And at the end of the circle, right before we tip back into nonviolence is gratitude. That's what's there. Okay. Let's do a little practice, shall we? Thank you for letting me <laughs> jabber on for so long tonight. Let's find a comfortable seat. And if you would like, you might just take a moment to sort of wiggle around a little bit, uncross your legs or recross them. Perhaps you'll take a deep breath in and exhale out a sigh. And as you let yourself land in a seat that feels steady and comfortable, you might decide to close your eyes or perhaps you'll just take a soft gaze down towards the ground. And together as a group, once again, deep breath in. Exhale out a sigh. Allow your breath just to flow. And let your practice begin as you silently say to yourself, now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And 
as you say those words, perhaps you feel their familiarity. You feel the comfort, the invitation just to be here. to let go of everything that has already happened today. To let go of everything that is still to come. And for this brief period of time, we get to just sit. And so perhaps you can let go a little bit more into the cushion or chair beneath you. And perhaps you can let go of the muscles in your belly. And the muscles in your chest. And as you breathe, maybe you feel your jaw soften. The inside of the cheeks. the skin around the eyes. Creating some space across your forehead. Creating some space behind your forehead. Taking a moment to feel along the right side of your spine. And along the left side of your spine. Feeling the front side and the back side. so that you feel tall and spacious all the way around the spine. It's here that we feel our breath flowing in and out. We send our awareness all the way down to the very base of the pelvis. 
down here at the base, the element of earth. We plant the seed of non-possessiveness. You could even just say non-possessiveness silently to yourself. As you breathe in and out at the base of the pelvis. breath moves up, our awareness moves up, just to the sacrum, the flat triangular shaped bone base of the spine. And here is the home of water. And we allow non-possessiveness, non-attachment to flow through us. and our awareness moves up towards the navel center. The navel center, the home of fire. We place non-possessiveness. Here we might feel ourselves letting go of those desires, letting them be consumed by flame. moves up 
to the heart center. The home of air. We let non-possessiveness, non-attachment blow through us like a breeze. Blowing away any residual desire. And allowing us to enjoy fully all that is here in this moment. to the throat center, here we find ether, the space that contains everything. As we place non-possessiveness here at the throat center, We let gratitude be the ether. Gratitude is the net that holds it all. Breathing your way up to the midbrain, beyond all the elements now, placing non-possessiveness in the center of the brain, feeling gratitude emanating out. Breathing up to the crown now, crown of the head. Non-possessiveness, non-attachment. Feel that sense of letting go. 
breathing back down into the midbrain. Down into the center of the throat, breathing in and out the center of the throat. down into the heart center, in and out of the heart. Down into the navel center, down to the sacrum, breathing in and out of the sacrum. In and out of the pelvis, base of the pelvis. And then these last few breaths up and down the spine. Feeling that sense of non-possessiveness. Maybe noticing or sensing or imagining what it feels like to let go. Feeling your breath here. Noticing exactly what's moving through your mind or your body in this moment. And when you feel ready, letting your breath deepen. So 
starting to wiggle your fingers and your toes. And taking all the time you need when you feel ready, taking a deep breath in, exhaling out a sigh. And then gradually letting go of the practice, blinking your eyes open if they were closed. Thank you, my friends. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show. And let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators in this world. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and produced with the support of Madeline Day Production Management and Brianna Nielsen Virtual Assistance. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit merylarnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you guys next week.